Praise the Lord. You are destined to win. God spoke to me in August of 1980 and said to proclaim the word of faith, be a showcase of ministries, and train people to fulfill the word of God. The message that you're about to hear was recorded in a live meeting where the Lord used me to teach the uncompromising word of faith. So open your heart to receive the ministry of the Word of God today, and you will be changed, empowered, and motivated to fulfill the Word of God in your life. Everybody ought to have a Bible. I've, I've often thought we need to sometimes have Bible tests, make sure everybody's got one. If they don't, we'll have a stack and hand some out, praise God, all right? Now I want you to do something else with me. Now I said Monday night, I don't know how many of you were here Monday night. I don't see... All that many familiar faces. Maybe we've got a whole new crowd. But anyway, praise God. Uh, if you were here Monday night, you remember that I warned you in advance that I'm not too religious. I, I don't do religious things, and, and I don't minister in a religious way. And uh, that's all right, because there's a big difference between religion and Christianity anyway. You realize that. You know, there's been a religion made out of Christianity. So... Uh, I've had people tell me, Brother Bill, you don't you don't act like a minister, you don't talk like a minister, you're just not religious. And I say, thank you. <laughs> That's all right, praise God. So so we do some strange things. Brother Beecher was talking about things that we do during Piedmont Believers Commission. And we do them really to strike you thinking and to prepare you to receive. So I want everybody to take your thumb and your forefinger and just hold it up like this. All right? Now I want you to just start putting them together and taking them like just like this, just pinch them together, all right. And what you're doing is you're exercising your Bible fingers. We're gonna be doing a lot of scripture turning tonight. All right, praise God, Amen. Everybody need to get their fingers warmed up. Hallelujah. Somebody told me, Brother Bill, you 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 quote too much Bible. <laughs> that was. A criticism? <laughs> Praise God. I think that's a very high compliment. Yeah, we are going to get into a lot of Scripture. And uh, I don't know, I, I was almost planning on asking how many people are here for the first time. I don't believe I'm going to embarrass you, though. Uh, <laughs> you should have been here. If you're here for the first time, we welcome you. Don't get me wrong. But we really, we're excited about these meetings. The Word of God that's been going forth in these meetings has... It's just been unequaled by anything I've been a part of, and I've been into some good meetings, praise God. But the revelation knowledge, it's like a snowball effect. It's just been getting better and better and better, and, and one minister will minister something in the morning session, in the afternoon session, and then the minister in the evening session hadn't even been in those sessions. He, he had no contact with them, and yet it, he just adds on to that, and it just keeps getting be, beg, better and better and bigger and bigger, and, and it's the Holy Spirit. That's the only way you can explain it. And so, if you have missed the other sessions that I've been teaching, you're going to sort of feel like you tuned into a, a TV series about Midway. You're going to think, you know, uh, where, how'd we get here? If that's the case, we've got tapes available back there, and I'd suggest you avail yourself of those tapes, because we are going to hit the floor running tonight, praise God. We're not going to do too much backtrack and review. I like to review... Because not only does it develop it in the people who've been there, it brings the, the new folks up, but it also refreshes it and stirs it up in your spirit. So we will spend just a moment on review, but not much. First of all, we found out that it's God's will to heal. We're talking about the ministry of healing in general, and 
Tonight, specifically, we're talking about the fact that healing is available to all of us. Anybody, anywhere, no matter what their situation is, no matter what their station in life. And, you know, who cares about that anyway? Certainly not God. He couldn't care less where you were socially or what color you were or anything else. He doesn't see that. He sees the heart. Praise God. And I, I tell you what, that goes even further than that. He sees us through His Word. That was brought out in one of the sessions, that God sees us through the Word. You see, the Bible is described uh, in terms of a mirror. If you look into the Bible and see yourself reflected the way the Bible describes you, it'll change your image of yourself. You'll no longer think of yourself as some poor, unworthy sinner saved by grace. You are not a sinner saved by grace if you're born again, if you're a Christian. You were a sinner. Yeah, that's right. But when you got saved by grace, you were no longer a sinner. You're now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And see, if you see yourself that way from the Word reflected back, you may look in a natural mirror and think, well, God, you don't have much to work with. <laughs> you know, and some folks think that way. But if you look at yourself in the mirror of God's Word, you'll see a, a beautiful reflection. What you'll see is Jesus. See, we're the body of Christ. And when, when we see ourselves in the Word, we're reflected back in that image. And we're, a, we're shooting for the mark of the calling that that image has for us. Praise God. And so, as God looks through that mirror from the other direction, He sees us not as we see ourselves in the natural, but He sees us that way. He sees us completed. He sees by faith the work of redemption completed in every one of us. He doesn't see us as sinners. If you've confessed your sin, He's faithful and just to forgive you sin, and you're cleansed from all unrighteousness. Praise God. See, the thing we need to realize, the Word of God will change you. We said that Monday night. The Word of God will change you. It will convert you. And I'm not talking just about conversion to Christianity or conversion to be born again. We're going to talk about some areas of being converted a little later on tonight. But the thing about it is, we've already covered it. It's God's will to heal. Let's look at a scripture that will even settle that further. Uh, hallelujah. Like I said, I've just got so much, I don't even know where to start. Well, let's go, let's go to Psalm 105. Psalm 105. Praise the Lord. Verse 37. Now, this is a description of what happened to the children of Israel as they were brought out of Egypt. And God brought them out of Egypt supernaturally. We know that. I mean, we've heard the, the, the stories of the parting of the Red Sea. We've heard preaching on that. We've heard teaching on that. And that's good. But at the same time, we don't realize what all was involved in that. Can you imagine three million people? See, sometimes I think we, we see the Cecil B. DeMille version of the Ten Commandments rather than the Bibles. You know, we've seen it on television. That's, that's the way we think about it. And we see this crowd of, of Jews, you know, going through the desert. And I don't know if you realize this or not, but when you go to make a movie, it's hard to hire three million people. See? That thing can't be accurate. No, they may have hired several hundred, you know, and, and that was an expensive budget. I mean, they did go to great lengths to get a bunch of people, and they brought extras in from the local areas and, and got them all out there to, to march together so it looked like a big mass of humanity. But that's a drop in the bucket compared to how many people there were out there. 
Man, the people, as far as you could see, three million, you've never even, you can't conceive of three million people in one place. I mean, there's a lot of cities today, huge, monstrous cities that have populations of three million. Now, I don't know what the population of Concord is. I can tell you the population of Denton. <laughs> it's not three million. <laughs> population of Denton is around 900 and some, you know, little town. And, and uh, you know, Greensboro, I think, is up around 300, 400,000, something like that. That's not even half a million. We're talking three million. Now, it seems to me, and this is the way a lot of people think God is. Some people think, yeah, God will heal you, Brother Bill. Yeah, I know that. But now God just doesn't heal everybody. Not everybody. God heals some. God heals those chosen ones. But there are some that he keeps sick to teach them something, you know, to glorify something or another, you know, do some great mysterious work that we don't understand. Well, it seems to me that if that were the case, that there'd be at least one out of three million people that he needed to keep sick out of those people that were out in the desert. That just seems reasonable to me. I mean, one out of three million, that's a very small percentage. But look at this in Psalm 105. Psalm 105, and we're going we're gonna to pick it up. Well, let's pick it up in verse 37. He brought them forth also, talking about the children of Israel here. He brought them forth also with silver and gold. Well, first of all, they were prosperous. Man, I tell you what, they went out of that country with silver, gold, everything they could carry. And there was not one feeble person among their tribes. Now, imagine that, if you will. See all those three million people. Just stretch your mind, because it, it'll take some brain stretching to get them all in there, you know. Three million people, old, young, you know. And these folks hadn't been pampered. They hadn't had you know, very professional medical care. These people were slaves. These people had been beat. They'd been worked into the ground. And there was not one feeble one feeble person. Much less, now, the meaning of the Hebrew here is sick, but they weren't just not sick. They were not feeble. They were strong. Praise God. Three million. Now, you see, we've already established, and as I said, we won't go into all the detail of what we've already said about healing always being God's will. Healing is always God's will. God always sends healing. We don't always receive. See, that's the difference. God is always going to heal, but healing is not always received. And these three million folks here received. They walked in it. Praise God. I tell you what, it's time that we begin to realize there's no case too hard for God. We talked about the fact that Jesus healed those who were maimed. See, it's easy for us, even those of us who have, who have heard teaching concerning healing and have, have seen people healed miraculously, have walked in help. You know, it, it's, sometimes it's easy for us to sort of think, well, you know, head cold, that's no problem for God. You know, I mean, I can just slap my hands on them. They'll be healed of that. Uh, you know, ingrown toenail, why? Just not even hardly have to fly any face. Just, just right, breeze right through that. But you come up with a guy, his arms cut off. And you're going to minister healing to him? You gotta, <laughs> sort of stretch your faith out. Hallelujah, you know. Shouldn't be that way. Shouldn't be that way. That's why in one of the sessions we began to talk about, Body of Christ, it's time we begin to enlarge our vision. 
It's time that we begin to start seeing the miraculous take place every day. I heard it said one time, the supernatural is natural with God. Amen. And that's the truth. God established healing as His will and as part of His personality from the very beginning. As we said, healing is one of His redemptive names. Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord that healeth thee. See, that's part of God's nature. God's a healer. God is not one who brings sickness. That be against His nature altogether. If He is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that healeth thee, how could He bring sickness? It'd be going completely against His nature. So we found out that God doesn't make you sick. We're going to get into that a little bit more tonight. We also found out it's always God's will. As we read Second Peter 3, 9, we won't turn there. God is not willing that any should perish. We found out that that not only means, it does mean, but it not only means that He's not willing that anyone go to hell. God is not willing that anybody go to hell. That's not His intention. He didn't create hell to send people. He created hell for the devil and his angels. But Satan is trying to bring as many people as he can with him. See, what God, God is not willing that any perish, but that all come to repentance. Well, we discovered that God's personality, God's nature is one that he doesn't want anybody to perish, not only spiritually, that is in hell, but physically, because he is the Lord that healeth thee. It wouldn't make any sense for God to be of such compassion. And in fact, the Word tells us God is love. That God is so loving and so compassionate that He doesn't want you to be in torment in hell, but then in in this physical life, He wants you to be in torment to teach you something. That's double-minded, folks. And God's not double-minded. As I said, God's not wishy-washy. He's just not wishy-washy. He doesn't change His mind. He doesn't change His method of operation. He's consistent. The Word of God says that God is an unchangeable God. He's an unchangeable Lord. Praise God. All right. We're going to find out tonight that healing is for all, that healing is available. We've looked at healing from the Old Testament Scriptures, and really by what we've covered so far, you'd almost think that healing was mostly in the Old Testament. A lot of Christians don't think that because they think healing was was original originally part of Jesus' ministry, and that was when healing first came available. But that's not so. That's not so at all. Healing's all the way through the Old Testament. We found all kinds of cases and all kinds of instances. But I want to look at at one thing that we pointed out. You're in Psalms there. Turn to Psalm 42. Psalm 42, verse 11. And Psalm 43, verse 5. Both say the same thing. They'll add a part of that verse there. Psalm 42.11 says, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise Him. Who is the health of my countenance and my God? Then the latter part of verse 5 of Psalm 43 says, Who is the health of my countenance and my God? Same thing. The word health there, and I'm, I'm going to try... Now, you're going to have to listen closely to catch the difference. But I'm going to try to pronounce these words as as best I can in the Hebrew. The word in the Hebrew there is yeshua. Amen? Now, that word means saved, delivered, aided, victorious, and prosperous. Amen. That sounds a whole lot like the Greek word sozo. Saved, delivered, healed, protected, made whole spirit, soul, and body, delivered from temporal evil which would include finances, by the way. 
That's part of the word sozo. Well, big deal, Brother Bill. The word sozo is the Greek word that's translated salvation. Saved. Saved is sozo. Salvation is soteria, to be precise. You know, like I say, I don't know Hebrew and Greek, but I can study. <laughs> and I found that to be so. So in other words, when we, when we read in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be sozoed. Saved, delivered, healed, protected, made whole spirit, soul, and body, and delivered from temporal evil. Amen. That means if you're saved, you're healed. If you're saved, you're delivered from temporal evil. If you're saved, you're protected. Amen. Praise God. That's exciting. And what got exciting to me is I began to see this in the Old Testament, that this word in the Hebrew, in the Old Testament yet, that's going to be real important here in a minute, in the Old Testament, means saved, delivered, aided, victorious, and made prosperous. And it's the Hebrew word yeshua, and it's so close to this other word that it's hard for me to pronounce it differently. That's why I'm having to... Be very cautious about it. The other word is Yeshua. There's not much difference, is there? The word Yeshua is translated Jesus. Amen. Now, out of all three of you down to your toenails. Yeshua Hamashiach. Jesus Christ in the Hebrew. It's also translated Joshua in the Old Testament. Joshua was the name that was translated there in the King James. It's the same word. Yeshua. In other words, this word that's so close, it, it, well, really, almost it means the same thing. In other words, our Lord Jesus' name means saved, delivered, aided, victorious, and prosperous. Prosperity is part of the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Amen. Oh, Brother B, you shouldn't teach prosperity. I'm just teaching about the name of Jesus. <laughs> Amen. God wants us to prosper. Now, I'm not teaching on prosperity, but every time I get around it, I just have to... I bring some things out about prosperity because uh, it just thrills me that God has made provision for spirit, soul, body, financially, and socially. You just turn a few pages back to Psalm 35, verse 27, and I'll show you a real quick one, then we'll go on back into healing concerning prosperity. Psalm 35. See, the thing about it is, we've heard preachers tell us I don't know how long. I mean, as long as I've been alive, it's been going on. I'm sure before I was born. And you look back in the, the record, it's been going on a long time. A lot of preachers get up and say, you know, now, brethren, God loves the poverty of His servants. Oh, yes, God loves His servants to be poor. And they'll show you the holes in their shoes, and they'll say, see, I'm humble. You know, and all that kind of business. Psalm 35:27. Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually. We've got to say this continually. He tells us to. Say it continually. Let the Lord be magnified, which has pleasure in the prosperity of His servant. Well, I'm His servant. Hallelujah. <laughs> he has pleasure in my prosperity. But you see, the thing about it is what we fail to realize very, very often as we study prosperity is prosperity is not just finances. Prosperity is spirit, soul, body, financially, and socially. It's every area. See, that's what I'm talking about, about this name, Yeshua, the name of Jesus in the Hebrew. It actually means healing. It actually means salvation. It actually means prosperity, financial prosperity as well. In other words, what Jesus did for us covered everything, everything in our lives. Really, when you get right down to it, what a lot of 
religious folks and preachers have been telling us is, yeah, you know, what Jesus did for us on the cross, that'll get us into heaven. But now you can't expect it to really have anything to do with our lives here on the earth. As if to say, it's not powerful enough. It's not potent enough. It wasn't enough to really affect us here on the earth. I mean, that'd be expecting too much. A lot of people say, Brother Bill, you teaching prosperity. Why, that's just too good to be true. Yes, amen. I agree it's too good to be true. But it is true. It's just that good. It's beyond what we can ask or think. Yeah, what Jesus did covered our being made the righteousness of God. What Jesus did covered our prosperity. And what He did covered our healing. We're going to find that out here tonight. Let's go to Isaiah 53. Praise God. It's amazing to me that I've taught on this for three days and still had not got to Isaiah 53. There's just that much on healing. We've got six days in this series that I'm teaching on healing to get into some of these Scriptures, and we're just going to barely scratch the surface. There's more to healing than we've thought. And I'll just tell you this. This is the last session that I'll have on healing per se. The last two are going to be on health. There's a difference. And you, I mean, you say, well, Brother Bill, that's the morning and afternoon session. I don't know if I can make that. You'd better. I was sitting there before the service while, during the music ministry, and that was, oh, that's good, praise God. But I was sitting there, and the Holy Spirit within me said, some of those people, that, some of the people that are here tonight really need to listen to this. Well, I, you know, of course, agreed. <laughs> I mean, I always ought to listen to the Word. I said, yeah. He said, no, you don't realize how important it is. And I said, well, why? God said, because there's people there that are going to need this teaching. They're going to need it. It's important to them. It'll save their life physically. In other words, there are people present here right with us tonight that if they don't get this in their spirit, then their life will be in danger. Now, that's serious stuff. And I'm usually real lighthearted, but that puts a serious tone on things. To realize that what you hear, the words that come out of my mouth tonight by agency of the Holy Spirit through me is going to mean that much to some folks. I tell you what, we ministered here Monday night and we preached on healing and, and I explained the ministry that God has given me in the area of healing, the special anointing that, that He spoke to me about and I explained that and we may talk about that a little later on. But the thing about it is, then we began to minister supernaturally, laying hands on people, people going out under the power of God. And there was a lady that came up, and as I started to lay hands on her, the Spirit of God spoke through me to her and said, you need to act on the Word now. And there was an urgency in me. I didn't, know, I didn't know what it was. But I told her, you need to act on the Word now. Laid hands on her. And went on. Didn't know her. Sister came up the next day and said, Brother Bill, I'd like for you to have everybody in the convention to pray. That lady left here that night and, and, and when she left later on she had a heart attack now she's in the hospital yes she's at home now glory to God hallelujah we prayed praise God amen the power of God oh hallelujah praise God I'm going to preach it see but that's the thing she had to act on the word now she couldn't wait till next week she was over in the Cabarrus hospital and we prayed and I tell you what, praise God, the power of God was manifest in her. And now she's home, glory to God. And she'll continue to amend. And she'll be stronger now than she was before. 
Well, brother Bill, it just don't work that way. People have people have heart attacks and things like that. They get weaker and progressively weaker. No, uh, uh-uh. not this sister. She's getting a hold of the word more and more. She's already she already knew about healing. Sister told me a little bit about that. She's been in this kind of ministry for years. But I tell you what, we can't ever learn enough. We got to keep hearing. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. Faith never comes by having heard. See, that's why this is important tonight. Faith is coming to you by hearing this. And some of you are going to need to act on this quickly. All right, praise God. Let's, let's look at Isaiah 53. That is Brother Hagin getting tangled up in my mic court. Hallelujah. <laughs> Isaiah 53, verse 4. And I'd encourage you to read this whole chapter. We don't have time to do that. We've got a lot of things to get into tonight. But Isaiah 53, 4, Surely He hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem Him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Now, in an earlier session, I said when we got to this verse of Scripture, we'd make mention of this, and I, I will. And that is the fact that Jesus was considered by the Jews and by the people of His day to be a prophet. And He said Himself that He was a prophet. As a matter of fact, we went into a great deal of detail that during his earthly ministry, he operated as a prophet anointed by God. Acts 10.38 says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Not oppressed by God, by the way. Oppressed of the devil with sickness. Jesus did good and healed the devil oppressed with sickness. And we'll see that battle line drawn even more clearly a little later tonight. But the thing about it is, God anointed Jesus. Well, Brother Bill, I thought Jesus was the Son of God. He was the Son of God. He is the Son of God. He'll always be the Son of God. But Philippians 2 tells us that He voluntarily of His own will laid aside His power and authority as the Son of God and came to the earth as a human man, just like any one of us. Now, I'm talking about His earthly ministry, all right? And in His earthly ministry, He was anointed by God as a prophet. He went about doing good and healing. He was anointed with the Holy Spirit, number one, and power, number two. He had a healing ministry. A healing anointing was present in His ministry. And He went about in His three or three and a half years of ministry throughout the earth healing with the anointing present in the prophetic ministry of the Old Testament prophet. The New Testament hadn't gone into effect yet. It couldn't. Jesus hadn't been crucified yet. See, a lot of times we, we get Christians get very confused because they, attri- they try to apply New Testament truths and Christian truths to the apostles, to the people in Jesus' ministry. They figure, well, Jesus is there, so they've got to be Christians. And Jesus will say, thy sins are forgiven thee. And some preacher will get up and say, see, that guy was saved. No, he wasn't. Not in the sense we know salvation. True, his sins were forgiven. True, he was saved to a certain extent because his sins were forgiven. Saved, as we said, means to be made whole, spirit, soul, and body. He was healed. He was set free. Do you notice that when Jesus ministered to people, he didn't say, your sins are forgiven you, and you're healed, and you're set free of financial you know, lack, you're made prosperous. He didn't go through this checklist. All he said was, your sins are forgiven you. See, we're going to find out how closely tied together these things are. Jesus was present, and his sins were forgiven 
but he couldn't be saved because to be saved means he had to confess Jesus as Lord and believe God raised him from the dead. He hadn't been raised from the dead because he hadn't been killed yet. See? The new covenant hadn't come into operation yet. He was still functioning under the old covenant. The old covenant, it says in Galatians, was given until faith came. Well, faith hadn't come because Jesus hadn't completed the work yet. Now, if you understand that and read through and see certain things in the New Testament talking about Jesus' ministry and realize that he ministered as an Old Testament prophet and realize he ministered as a man anointed by God, then certain things start making more sense. We found out that Jesus didn't just snap his fingers and everybody jump up healed every time. Oh, yeah, but Brother Bill, the Word of God says that he ministered to the sick and healed them all. Yeah, he did. But you notice in those instances, it was because he'd been teaching for days, days, days. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word. Those people heard the Word and received faith, and when he ministered, they all received. That's the way it ought to be today. We minister the Word and lay hands on the sick, man, they all receive. Why? Because faith comes. But what about in his own hometown? Remember, we looked at Mark chapter 6. We found out in his own hometown he could there do no mighty work. Not that he wouldn't do a mighty work. He couldn't do a mighty work. You mean tell me Jesus couldn't? I thought Jesus could do anything. Hold on, you're still thinking of Jesus in his pre-incarnate form as the Son of God. We're talking about his earthly ministry after he'd laid aside all power and authority as the Son of God and come as a man. In that earthly ministry, there was a case, an instance, and I'm... I'm assured that it wasn't just this one time. It happened many times, places that he went and ministered. People who didn't receive of his ministry. But we are given the account in Mark 6 that there, there was a case where he came into his own hometown. They started knocking him and saying, well, that's just the carpenter's boy. Who's he think he is? We hear all this big faith ministry all through the countryside. Who's he think he is? Why, I grew up with him. And today we might say, I went to school with him. I was his buddy. Why, who's he think he is going around preaching and stuff? I mean, wearing them three-piece suits and all that kind of thing. You know? And a lot of people treat you that way. You know, well, you know, he just... I know him. He, we used to run around together. Well, you see, that's the kind of attitude that they were receiving Jesus. Jesus came back into his own hometown. He stood up for to read... We went over to Luke. We found out that in that same incident that he stood up and was given the, the book of the prophet Isaiah, he, he got it, he read it, handed it back to the minister, and then he preached him a sermon. Now, a lot of people thought, well, I thought, Brother Bill, there in Luke, that it says that he said, this day is this scripture fulfilled in years, and that was it. No, it says he began to say unto them, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears today. That was the title of his sermon. He preached a sermon. He began to say... I don't know how long he preached. He's like me, he's long-winded. I happen to know he was long-winded. He kept him three days one time. <laughs> he didn't even let him off for lunch. <laughs> Just kept going. Well, I'm not that long-winded. <laughs> but at the same time, he preached. It says he preached. He found a text. He found a scripture. He preached a sermon. And after he got through preaching, they said, Who's he think he is? And then we found out that there he could do no mighty work save or accept that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled at their unbelief. And we found out that the answer to his marveling at their unbelief is that he went around the villages teaching. He taught. Why? Because of the unbelief. Well, why, why would he teach? Because of unbelief. Because the only way you can get rid of unbelief is to teach. Teach the Word. Preach the Word. If you do that, faith cometh by hearing him with the Word of God. The faith gets rid of the unbelief. That's why he taught. 
And we found out that just a little bit later, he went into another city after he taught and taught and taught. People came up, and there they got healed. So you see, it wasn't like maybe that, that wasn't, you know, like maybe there in Mark 6, it wasn't one of Jesus' good days. You know, the anointing lifted a little bit. You know, the moon wasn't right or something. No. <laughs> it's just that the people didn't receive in faith. See, a lot of people say, well, Brother Bill, aren't there cases where people don't have to have faith? Well, I tell you what, I can't find a, a scriptural basis and I can't find a place where the people don't have to have faith. Even in a case where a man wasn't born again and Peter ministered to him, he did have expectation. Amen. Even the world, we're going to find out that there's healing available for the world through the body of Christ. Even the world has to have expectation. So the thing about it is, faith is involved. You remember the day that I, I believe it was in Acts and uh, Paul was ministering and he perceived that a man had faith to be healed? He perceived it. He said, that guy's got faith to be healed. He went out of his way to minister healing to him. Why? Because the guy had faith to be healed. There was a bunch of people around that didn't have faith to be healed. We, we gave the example of Jesus ministering in the, the, the doctors of the law in the Pharisees' house. We had a bunch of Pharisees all gathered up there. And the power of God was present to heal them all. Present to heal all of them. We said that God was just as concerned about them as He's concerned about the poor out in the street. He really wanted to minister healing to those people. And the power of God was present to heal them all. But not one of them got healed because they were all, you know, well, how can He do this and how can He do that? And let's look up the legal questions here. Points of the law and everything else. Wanted to question everything He did. No faith involved. But some guys had enough faith to knock a hole in the, in the roof and lower a guy down in there. And when he got down there where Jesus was, Jesus saw his faith. Guy had faith. I mean, you've got to have faith to go through all that. Jesus said, your sins be forgiven you. And everybody said, Jesus, you don't have the right to forgive sins. Who do you think you are? He said, look, is it easier to say your sins be forgiven you or get up and walk? Notice he equated the two. He said, it's easy to say, he sends me, forgive me, get up and walk. And he turned to the guy and said, get up and take your bed and get out of here. The guy got up and takes his bed. That's a powerful argument, you know. <laughs> you're up here and, and everybody's against you and the whole room looks like they're going to tear you apart and you tell the guy, get up and walk, and he gets up and walk. And, I mean, what are they going to say? Well, that was coincidence. <laughs> no. Praise God. And Jesus didn't do miracles to prove he's the Son of God either. That's another lie we've been fed through religious circles. I mean, after all, if Jesus did heal people to prove his Son of God, he didn't prove it in Mark 6, did he? There he could do no mighty work. And that was the very question those people were asking. Who do you think you are? Well, he knew who he was. I mean, after all, if, if he was healing people just to prove he's the Son of God, why didn't he just stand up there, pull out his lapels and say, all right, boys, gather around, let's get, let's get some blind folks in here, let's get some deaf people in here, let's get some maimed people and some crippled people and some lepers in here, let's get them all up here and just stack them like cordwood. I'm going to lay hands on all of them, and when you all jump up here, you're going to know, man, I'm the Son of God. He didn't do that, did he? As a matter of fact, he didn't even answer their challenge. They said unto him, you look it up. Now, we're not, we, don't, not, we don't have time. We've already gone over this thoroughly, and it's all on the tapes back there and from the Scripture. But you can look it up in the Word, and you'll see that they said, Hey, do what you did over yonder. What, you know, do hear what you did over yonder in that other city. We heard about all these big things. We don't really believe it. But we heard about it. Do what you hear what you did over yonder. And Jesus didn't even answer he could there do no mighty work. Why? Because he marveled at their unbelief. He, the most unbelieving crowd he'd ever seen. We have two cases where Jesus marveled at something, at least, 
probably marveled at other things. But these two cases come to mind. He marveled at their unbelief there where he could do no mighty work, and he marveled at the centurion's faith. When the centurion came to him and said, Jesus, my servant's home, uh, sick of a palsy. If you just speak the word only, my servant will be healed. Speak the word only. Jesus said, man, I hadn't seen such great faith. No, not in Israel. Not even among God's chosen folks. This guy's a Gentile. He's got more faith in this whole nation. He marveled at his faith because this guy had a hold of the vital principle that speaking the word only, that's the highest way to receive your healing. I'll tell you that right now. I'm still getting ahead of myself a little bit. But that's the best and highest way. If you ever get it that way, then you get into health. That's what we're going to talk about a little bit. Well, we probably won't get into it tonight, but we'll get into it tomorrow. Praise God. All right. Isaiah 53. We barely got it read. But I wanted to show you that the people in Jesus' day, the people during Jesus' ministry, they realized he was a prophet. They called him a prophet. He called himself a prophet. But what the Jews thought, what they thought was, yeah, Jesus was a great prophet. We recognize he was a prophet. But at a certain point in time, he said, I'm the Son of God. And they thought then God turned his back on him, took his anointing away from him, and killed him because he claimed he was the Son of God. That's what the Jews think. Even to this day, that's the way it's taught in their religion. And, and Isaiah, of course, Isaiah didn't see the crucifixion in the natural. He wasn't present then. It happened many hundreds, maybe thousands of years before this occurred. But Isaiah, as a prophet, was seeing it. As a matter of fact, what we have here in Isaiah 53 is God's view of Calvary. God's view of Jesus' work. And look what it says. Surely He hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem Him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. That's what we thought. The word esteem means to think. We thought He was smitten of God and afflicted. We thought He was afflicted by God because, you know, He exalted Himself. And that's like I say, that's what they still teach. No, He was smitten and afflicted with our sickness and our disease and our sorrow and our sin. That's why. He bore it for us. All right, let's keep reading here. We, just, we did esteem and stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. And with His stripes, we are healed. With the stripes that He bore, we are healed physically. There's no doubt, if you look this up in Hebrew, there's no doubt that that's physical healing. It's not some spiritual healing you know, some kind of uh-huh, fluffy kind of thing that theologians say, yes, we realize that we're healed spiritually. No, forget that. He's talking about physical healing. We are healed by what Jesus did. As a matter of fact, if you look back at verse 4, it says, Surely He hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. The Hebrew words there literally mean, Surely He's borne our sicknesses and carried our diseases. Well, Brother Bill, I just don't know if I believe that. Well, get your strong concordance and look it up. Well, I don't believe in strong concordance. You know, I've run into people like that. I just don't believe that, 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 that it was originally written in Hebrew and Greek, like you say. Now, I'm telling the truth. I've run into people that actually believe that Paul carried around a King James Version of the Bible. And I've heard them, I mean, they've looked at me and said, Wow, bless God, if the King James Version was good enough for Paul, it's good enough for me. Bless their ignorant heads. Their sincere hearts 
but ignorant heads. Amen? I have no doubt that, that but they're that sincere. I tell you, I praise God for some of them folks, you know, that, that don't quite have all their, their biblical knowledge down right, but, but man, they'll fight you tooth and nail for what they believe. Better a lot of folks don't believe nothing, but they're believing some wrong things. That's the thing. If they'd ever, if they'd ever get their facts straight, their believing would be, you know, that tenacity to, to hang in there and, and, and believe the Word of God. Man, that's good. Keep that. Just believe the Word instead of tradition, instead of religion, instead of what man said all these years. Jesus said that the traditions of men will make the Word of God of none effect. I don't have time to get into that, but I've got a tape series on it if you want it. <laughs> the thing about it is, the traditions of men will make the Word of God in none effect. That means the Word of God is powerful as it is. The Word of God says in Psalm 107, verse 20, He sent His Word and healed them. The Word of God is what was sent for your healing. This Word is the power of God. We found that out from Romans 1, 16, that it is the power of God unto your healing, unto your deliverance. But, as powerful as it is, it can be made of none effect in your life because of traditions of men. That's a sobering thought. I tell you that, that's the reason we ought to get rid of traditions that hang on to us, like leeches just hanging on to us, sappiness of their spiritual strength. Get them things off of you. I'm like, I, I praise God for Brother Ron. He's lost his, his you know, reputation. <laughs> I tell you what, we ought, to, we ought to lose our reputation with folks. Just go whole hog for God. Just believe the Word. Just believe it. Believe it all out. No holes barred. I don't care what the preachers think, you know, and I don't care what my family thinks. I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm just going to believe the Bible. Norval Hayes, Norval Hayes, Norval Hayes says, I'll get it out. might have to preach in tongues. <laughs> Norval Hayes says this, the Holy Ghost does the Bible. The Holy Ghost only does the Bible. And then he said, the Holy Ghost don't go by your church services. <laughs> Brother Noah has a way of cutting through it all, you know. <laughs> Just getting down to the bare bones of it. Nah, God is not impressed by your church services, no matter how pious they may be and no matter how pretty the music is. That's all good. I'm not against church, folks. I mean, I'm a pastor. I'm not against church. Don't get me wrong, but we ought to have churches that are preaching the Bible instead of tradition. Now, if you're at a place where they're teaching tradition, leave. I make no bones about it. I, you know, I'm sorry if that offends you or, or goes against your, your, your way of thinking. I'm sorry, but I'm, ta I'm just being practical. If, if you are at a place... Well, let's put it this way. If your little child came up to, your, to a stove in the kitchen and the eye was on and it was hot and that little child was about to stick his hand there, what would you do? Knock his hand away. He said, don't do that. It'll hurt you. Well, I'm telling you, there's some churches that'll burn you. They'll hurt you. Because they'll program you with tradition. And when Satan comes by with, with doubt, fear, unbelief, sickness, disease, pain, lack, poverty, then not only do they not give you any fuel for your spirit to resist it, they tell you, accept it. It's from God. I tell you, folks, I, uh, and I, you know, I've done left preaching, gone to meddling, and I know, but <laughs> I feel sorry for a lot of preachers that are going to have to answer for that. See, as preachers, we're commissioned to preach the Word instant, in season and out. I don't care what the people think. I don't care what the Board of Deacons thinks. I don't care what the supervisor thinks or the, you know, the, the convention or the commission or whatever it may be in the particular denomination you were raised in. I don't care what they think. Preach 
The Word. The Word's what sets you free. The traditions keep you in bondage. There are some good traditions. You know that? There's some good traditions. There is a traditional teaching that Jesus is the Son of God. Hallelujah. I'm going to hold fast to that. I can prove it from the Word. There's a traditional teaching that if you confess Jesus the Lord and believe God raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. I'm going to hold fast to that. I know from whom I learned that. But there's also a, a traditional teaching that says God will make you sick teach you something. I'm going to let that go like it's a hot potato. Because that didn't come from the Bible. Now, I don't know who it came from. I don't know who it, you know, but I'm talking about the man now, okay? I don't know what man had the brilliant thought one day. Sickness is of God. You know, I don't know who that was. Poor deceived folk, uh, folks, I, you know, I don't know who they were. But I do know the individual behind it was Satan. Because Satan's the one who is the killer, steal, and destroyer. We're going to see that in a minute. All right, Isaiah 53. Surely he's born out of Greece and carried our sorrows. Now, I'm sorry that your King James Bible doesn't say sickness and disease is there. And there are folks who, who won't believe unless they see it from King James. Like we said, they don't believe in Strong's Concordance. But would you believe the uh, commentary of Jesus on this Scripture? I mean, we got a lot of commentaries these days, you know. Dr. So-and-so's commentary of the Bible. we got a lot of people that read commentaries and won't read the Bible. Kenneth Copeland was talking about one day, I saw it recently on one of his, on his television show, uh, Brothers Lost Victory. He said one day he, he was at college and he had all these books on Romans. Man, he had his arms full of books on Romans. He's walking along the college campus there, you know, the Romans Road and all these books on Romans. And, and he, in his class he was going to have a test on it and he was thinking about this test. He was going to have this exam. And he's going down and all these books on Romans. He, i got to read all these books on Romans. Then all of a sudden it occurred to him, I hadn't even read Romans. Want me to read all these books on Romans? I hadn't even read Romans yet. He said, fully on the books. He just threw them away. Read Romans. Made an A in the course. Amen. Why? Because he read Romans. <laughs> it's time we go back and read the Word. Don't read the commentary. Read the Word. But I tell you what, if you, if you do enjoy commentaries, and look, there's nothing wrong with commentaries if they're good ones. Problem is, 99.999% of them are all junk. Occasionally you'll find some, you know, like Brother Hagin says, be smart as no cow, eat the hay and leave the sticks. <laughs> Amen. There's some things in there that's just sticks. You, they'll get up in your mouth and hurt you, you know. But eat the hay. There's some good things in there. Every once in a while I'll find a commentary that's got a few good things to say. Not much, but a few, you know. <laughs> I'm digging with you. Isaiah 53, 4 says, Surely he's born our griefs and carried our sorrows. All right, turn to Matthew. Hold your place in Isaiah now. But turn to Matthew, chapter 8, and verse 17. Now, this is Jesus talking. Maybe some of you have a, uh, you know, red-letter edition or whatever, and you, you, you can see that this is Jesus talking. Matthew eight seventeen, Isaiah 53, 4. Surely he's born our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did a seem strict and smitten of God and afflicted. Jesus said in Matthew 8:17 that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. See, he's quoting from Isaiah 53:4, that saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. That's Jesus' own commentary on the Bible right there. Brother Bill, I just don't believe that that word grief and sorrow, sickness and disease. Well, argue with Jesus. That's the way he quoted it. Brother Bill, I, I think you're making that up. No, Jesus, he, that's the way he quoted it. See, the thing about it is the Hebrew words there does mean grief and sorrow, yeah, but it also means sickness and infirmity, sickness and disease. 
It's a word that has a lot of meaning to it. There's a lot of Hebrew and Greek words that are that way. I heard one one teacher say it this way: words in the Greek and the Hebrew are pregnant in their meaning. They're filled with meaning. And very often you don't get the fullness of verse scripture till you study some of these things out, find out what they actually mean. We've got a lot of words in English that mean different things depending on how you use them. You know, I can pet a little puppy dog and say, I love you, you know, and that's sweet. And I can pat a little kid on the head that I don't know and say, I love you. And I can turn to my wife and say, I love you. And I can turn to God and say, I love you. Same word, but I hopefully they all have different meanings. I love peanut butter sandwiches. I hope that means something different than I love my wife. <laughs> love my wife the way I love a peanut butter sandwich. <laughs> that won't do. It's not something you can go to marriage on. See, we use the word love, and it, it's, it's a word full of meaning. It's a beautiful word. But we don't know what meaning we are putting to that word unless we see the context of it. You can take the word love and lift it out, and you really don't know what it means, but you put it in its context, I love my wife. You, you know what that means because of the context. Well, see, in context, these words, surely he hath borne our griefs and sicknesses and our sorrows and infirmities. That's what it means. It's an all-covering thing. Now, let's keep reading in Isaiah 53. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Now note that word bruised. Matter of fact, you might ought to underline it. If you got a Bible, you can't underline something you in, throw it away, get one, you can. You can go down to Woolworths and buy one. The word bruised there in the Hebrew and the word stripes that you'll notice a little further down in that verse of Scripture in verse 5. As a matter of fact, if you've got a good center column reference, you'll note that it, that it says there in the Hebrew, bruise, down there the word stripes. Brother Bill, what does this have to do with anything? Well, hold on. Just hang in there with me. It'll make sense to you in a minute. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. What's iniquity? Sin. Jesus was bruised for our sin. Yeah, praise God, we know that. Every good church worth its salt has preached that Jesus has been bruised for our iniquities. Every good church has preached that Jesus bore our sin on the cross. Amen? We know that. How many know that? Praise God, you've been taught that before. Amen. Alright, Jesus was bruised for your iniquities. That's the same word that you read further on in this verse. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. And with His bruises, we are healed. It's the same bruise. It was the same chastisement. It was the same crucifixion on that cross. It was the same suffering that He bore and went through that brought not only our salvation unto heaven, but our physical healing. Amen. It's the same thing. Brother Bill, you saying healing was in the atonement? Yeah, you've been listening. Healing is in the atonement. Praise God. Amen. There's a lot of people that teach that it isn't. They obviously haven't read anything lately from the Bible. It's all the way through the Bible. You can't read the Bible without finding healing in it. Now, most of these scriptures, we went to, to Matthew 8, 17, where Jesus quoted from the Old Testament. Most, most of the scriptures we've looked at so far have been Old Testament. But now, let's go to the New Testament. 1 Peter 2. In 1 Peter 2.24, we've got Peter 
looking at this verse of Scripture from Isaiah. And I want you to realize something about this. And this may shake you theology a little bit, okay? We need our theology shaking every once in a while so we can get it straight. If you only had Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels, you wouldn't know why Jesus died. And that goes down hard for some folks. That's a hard pill to swallow. I, Brother Bill, I just don't, I can't believe that. Well, I've read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I know why Jesus died. Yeah, you do, but you've had the benefit of hearing good preaching, or even halfway decent preaching would have told you that, from the letters, from Romans, from Hebrews, from, from all the different letters in the New Testament, and even bringing Old Testament Scripture in. See? We, you got to realize, we have access to more knowledge than Peter did and John did when they were seeing Jesus hanging on that cross. And I'm talking about as they were seeing it with their eyes. They were stand, when they were standing there looking at it, they thought, man, it's all over. I'm going to go back to fishing. And that's what they did, you know? You, you read it, you find it so. They went back to fishing. That's where Jesus found them after he was raised from the dead, was fishing. Amen. Cooked them a meal. <laughs> but see, the thing about it is, they didn't have access to the revelation knowledge we've got access to now. They didn't know why that. They didn't understand it. As a matter of fact, the last thing they asked him, one of the last things they asked him was, Hey, Jesus, uh, you know, what about your kingdom that we're going to set up here on the earth? See, they thought he was going to blow away the Roman Empire and take back, you know, the, the, the promised land and set up his earthly kingdom there. They had no idea what was going on, really, when you get right down to it. Jesus tried to explain it to them, and they still couldn't understand it. See, we can understand it now. But, as I said, if you only had Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you couldn't have understood it all. We have the benefit of having seen the whole Bible and not be in their shoes and not have access to the revelation knowledge that, that they lacked because they didn't have those books yet. So let's look at it. Peter now, as he writes in 1 Peter, has learned some things that he didn't know before. And it's obvious from what we're about to read that he has studied some Old Testament scriptures and prophecies concerning Jesus. Remember what we said? In Isaiah, Isaiah was seeing the crucifixion through God's eyes. He saw what happened to Jesus through revelation knowledge. He saw what happened to Jesus through, through God's eyes and his intent in Jesus going to the cross. Those guys standing there at the foot of the cross couldn't understand it. But now Peter has got some knowledge. He has done some study. Jesus has explained some things to him. And now he writes this in 1 Peter 2.24, talking about Jesus, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. We've been taught that. Like I said, that's good. I'm going to hold fast to that. That we being dead to sin should live under righteousness. Praise God. By whose stripes ye were healed. That word healed in the Greek is the Greek word alme. It means cured physically. It's not talking about spiritual stuff again, okay? I'm all for spiritual things, but not the way religion teaches it. Religion says we're going to spiritualize this. I was preaching at Word of Faith. I believe it was on a Sunday morning. It was either Sunday morning or the midweek service, I forget which. And as I was preaching on some aspects of this, all of a sudden, I saw this verse of Scripture through the eyes of a preacher who didn't believe in healing. 
And I could only explain it this way. It was supernatural in nature. I didn't, and I didn't come up with this in my study time. I didn't realize I was going to get into this area. But I just started speaking it out of my mouth. And as I started speaking it, I was seeing it take place. And I firmly believe that I was seeing something that actually happened. I, I don't believe it was just a, some, something I conjured up. You know, I don't believe I'm all that swift, naturally speaking. I am spiritually speaking. I can do all things through Christ Jesus. But I'm talking about just me, okay? Physical Bill Bailey. <laughs> the way, you know, natural me, whatever, okay? I want to get that straight. I can do all things, you know that? I can do all things through Christ Jesus. A lot of people say, Brother Bill, you're arrogant, you're egotistic. Go around saying, I can do all things. Well, you see, for you to understand that I'm not being egotistic, you've got to understand that I am saying I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. I'm attributing my ability to do all things, and I'm attributing the that statement. I'm not being egotistical in doing it because I'm attributing it to Jesus. See what I'm saying? I can do all things through Him because He's strengthening me, not in myself. But you see, if you study that long enough, it'll become such a part of you that you don't have to think about that anymore. It becomes such a revelation until you get down in your spirit, you realize, hey, I can do all things. And that's what you begin to, 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 to dwell on, so to speak, and, and it begins to change your image of yourself. We need to do that as Christians. I, I don't... I, I tell you what, I, 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 I'm, I'll make a decision right now. I'm just going to tell you this. I'm going to make a decision right now. I'm not going to apologize any longer for saying I can do all things, okay? Amen. And neither should you. And I'm saying that with the Spirit of God. Neither should you apologize any longer for saying I am the righteousness of God. I can do all things. I prosper in all that I do. Everything I set in my hand to do prospers. The world may fail, but I won't. Why? Because we've had enough teaching by now. We ought to realize that all that's true through Christ who strengthened us. See, I'm not glorifying me. I'm glorifying Jesus. But that reality is so real to me that I'm so living in Him and He's so living in me that our identities are intermingled. He's so much a part of me that I don't have to sit there and A, B, C, D, realize He's here and how, you know, and get all this priority business straight. My priorities are straight. My heart is right. I can do all things. Hallelujah. I trust you, you see that. All right. Who his own self by our sins and his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live under righteousness by his stripes he were healed. And as I read that verse of Scripture, I saw it through the eyes of a preacher preparing a sermon for his Sunday morning. And I saw it as though he was in his study. I could almost describe the books he had on his, on his shelves there in this little study. Had his typewriter in front of him. And he was sitting there at his desk. I mean, I could see it. That's why it was surreal to me. And all this was happening while I was preaching it. And I saw him, and he read this verse of Scripture. He was going to be preaching on the fact that Jesus bore our sins for us. And, and as I said, he was a, a traditional, denominational preacher. Okay? And like I said, sincere folks, okay? I'm not cutting down anybody. I'm just saying that they don't know certain things. My people, God said in Hosea 4, 6, are perishing for lack of knowledge. They lack knowledge of the Word of God. That's why they're failing. That's why they're sick. That's why they're, they're being destroyed. That's why they're going under financially. Well, Brother Bill, if Christians are supposed to prosper and be in health, why aren't they? Because they lack knowledge. That's what we're doing here, teaching this to you is to give you knowledge, give you... The, and as I said, and I'll say it again, you cannot believe beyond your knowledge. 
You can't have faith beyond your knowledge. Brother Bill, you know, if you believe in prosperity, why don't you go believe for a million dollars? I will when my faith and knowledge of how to do it are built to that point. I'm still developing. When I first went on radio, it cost $230 a month. I thought $230 a month. There is no way. That's more money than I've seen at one time. I just come out of college. I just, I mean, what did I know, you know? God said, go on radio. Oh, 200. Oh, you know, and I hitched my faith up as high as it goes. Man, I put it up there in the notch and I was about to fire it out. And boom, man, I went on radio. The Spirit of Faith broadcast is on the air. And I, I hung on and I paid the bills best I could. And I'd get behind a little, I'd pay a little. And I'd, it'd come in, you know, and just $229 would come in. And I'd make up the dollar out of my pocket, you know, and I, I'd just barely make it. But I began to gain in knowledge. And then the price went up to 3.30 a month. <laughs> and I said, hallelujah, I know where I got that other, you know, and I went back to the Bible and I developed myself to 3.30 a month. Whew, I tell you what, little did I realize back there at 2.30, when I first started, that the budget was going to get up around 1200 a month. But see, we're up there 1200 a month just chugging right along. There's a lot of expenses in the ministry. And you've got to realize the stations don't pay us, we pay them. We've got to believe that in. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God for the Word. It works. <laughs> amen. Hey, Brother Hayden, yeah, amen. <laughs> Brother Beecher, yeah, amen. Praise God. Thank God for good Christian radio programs. Preaching the Word. But see, the thing is, you develop knowledge of the Word and you develop your faith in the Word and you grow. We're still growing. And when I go to that point, bless God, you better believe I'm going to go out there for that million. Because by that time, I'm going to need a budget of a million. We're going to be on television, radio, everything else. Have to have all kinds of supportive ministries and helps ministries and have to pay their salaries and everything else. Glory to God, flying jets and everything else. Well, Brother Copeland shouldn't fly a jet. You try to do what he's doing without a jet. You can't do it. You can't physically get to all the places he's going without a jet. I believe you ought to have the best jet made. The ministry ought to have the best, not the world. Hallelujah. Well, we're hitting, we're hitting a bunch of things here, aren't we? we just, praise God, you need it. Hallelujah. All right. I saw this preacher preparing his sermon. And he read this verse of Scripture. He looked at his concordance and he found this verse of Scripture. And it said, Who his own self by sins and his own body on the tree. And he was just excited about preaching that to his people. He was all excited. I know, like I said, I can see it so clearly. And he kept reading that, that verse. That we being dead to sin shall live under righteousness. And he sat there and sort of scratched his head and said, Righteousness. I don't know if I ought to get into that. I mean, you know, live under righteousness. I'm not sure we can live under righteousness. But then this next one really blew him away. By whose stripes ye were healed. Were healed. Were healed? Will be healed. No. <laughs> were healed. Will be healed in heaven. No, it says were healed. That must be a mistake. <laughs> I mean, after all, were healed. Well, I know what I'll do. I'll just read the first part of the verse, you know. I'll get up Sunday morning and I'll just read the first part. That's what I wanted anyway. And this came out of my mouth. Now, really, and I, I, I trust this creates an image in, in you. See this pastor getting ready to preach the next morning. And he's reading this. I'll just read the first part of that verse. Now, I know Sister Bertha will be out there, and she always reads the whole chapter. 
And I know her. Why that woman? She's so cantankerous. She'll come up to me after the sermon just to torment me. She'll come up to me and say, Preacher, what about where it says you were healed? And I'm going to have to have some kind of an answer. And I don't have an answer. We're healed? We're healed. I wonder what my commentary says about we're healed. He looks it up and it gives him a bunch of double talk. And even he's got enough, you know, sincerity to realize that ain't even going to satisfy Sister Bertha, much less me. <laughs> we're healed. They're trying to explain it away, spiritualize it. And, then, you know, all of a sudden he begins to catch it, you know, catch <laughs> that vision, that cosmic floating spirituality of saying, yes, we're healed. We were healed spiritually. Yeah, I can see it now. Jesus bore our sins in His body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, which we know we can't attain, but we can shoot for it. And it's out there spiritually somewhere. And by His stripes we were healed, spiritually speaking, of course, not physically, but spiritually speaking, we were healed, and our spiritual bodies whole. Yeah, that's it. That's it. We'll be changed from glory to glory. That's it. Our spirit will be changed. Oh, boy. I breathe a sigh of relief. You know, man, I've got it down now. That's how traditions and garbage and stuff gets taught. People trying to explain away what the Bible actually says. But this particular preacher goes a little further. He pulls out his strong concordance. He says, I'll settle it once for in for all. I'll look up that word healed. I'll find out it does mean spiritually healed. We'll see that. And so he pulls out his strong. He looks it up, and it's the Greek word Iomai. He writes it down, I-A-O-M-A-I. He looks up the definition, physically cured. Were physically cured. This is not helping me. Oh, he goes back to square one. He looks at it physically. Were physically cured. Were. were. It'd be all right if it said would be. I mean, I realize in heaven one day we'll be healed. I mean, after all, in heaven one day even legs that are missing will be restored. I realize that. I've been taught that in seminary. They didn't cover this in seminary. Why didn't they cover this in seminary? Sister Bird is going to get all over me. Can you see this guy's dilemma? And you know, as I was preaching that one day, the whole bunch there that day at Word of Faith, man, they were just, they were in hysterics. <laughs> they could see that guy. But you know what? If those pre preachers in that case would simply pull back and just say, well, bless God. I don't care what my professor at seminary said. I don't care what the superintendent says. I don't care what the deacon board says. I'm just going to get up there and I'm going to read the Scripture and I'm going to say that it said, by Jesus Christ we were physically cured. I mean, who said I had to rationalize the Bible anyway? Just read it. Just stand on it for what it says. And you get enough people curious enough, how can we be physically cured already? Then they go back and see Matthew 8, 17, Jesus bore our sicknesses and carried our diseases. See, if He bore my sickness and disease, if He bore mine, see, catch this, if He bore mine, then they're already taken care of and I don't have any. There isn't any sickness and disease with Bill Bailey's name on it, reserved specifically for Brother Bill. There isn't any. Jesus bore all mine. I don't have any coming to me. See, that's why I tenaciously fight any symptoms Satan tries to put on me. As soon as I, I, I in any way even sense a symptom, I go, no, uh, no, thank you. I don't have any coming to me, Satan. Amen. 
Jesus bore all mine. By His stripes we were, past tense, on the cross nearly 2,000 years ago, on the cross, we were healed. If we were, then we are. If we are, then I am. If we are and am, then we will be. Amen. I don't know about the English structure in there, but you get the point. <laughs> Amen. Glory to God. See, we were healed. We were healed. We are the healed. We're not trying to get well, folks. Realize that. You're not the sick trying to get well. You have been made the healed. Now all we need to do is realize what we're doing to stop the receiving. See? God is saying, you are the healed. That's your identity. We look at the symptoms and say, I don't feel healed. I don't look healed. I'm not acting real healed. Well, then we need to find out what the Word says about it. Man, I, I've, I've left my notes so far. We're going to have to believe God to get back to them. <laughs> Amen. Now, I made the statement. I will tie this loose end up because I said I would. I always keep my word. I made the statement that most of the Scriptures we've read are in the Old Testament. What about the New Testament? Well, we've already looked in the New Testament to a certain degree, but I want us to look in Hebrews. Oh, this will tie it up for you folks. Hebrews 8, verse 6. Talking about the ministry of Jesus. But now hath He obtained a more excellent ministry, by how much also He is the mediator of a better covenant, which is established upon better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, if the Old Covenant, the Old Testament... Now see, realize, we read in Psalm, that's in the Old Testament, isn't it? Psalm 103, 1 through 3, that one of the benefits that God had for us was that He healed all our diseases. We saw from the Old Covenant in Psalm 107:20 that God sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from all their destructions. We looked in the Old Testament in Isaiah 53 and found out that by Jesus Christ ye are healed. And now, as great as that is, and as a matter of fact, I'll just go even that next step further concerning prosperity. As prosperous as Abraham was, as prosperous as Solomon was, as prosperous as David was, as prosperous as all those great men of old of faith were in their day, as great a covenant as they had concerning prosperity, look what it says. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there should have been no place. There should no place have been sought for the second. I mean, if the old covenant was so wonderful and so good, why have a second covenant? Why have a new testament, a new covenant? See, a lot of people have been teaching that boy, they had it. They had it good in those old days. Yeah, all those three million Jews, man, there wasn't a feeble one among them. God just did miracles, miracles, miracles all over the place. Woo, look in the Old Testament. Man, there's tremendous things going on. If that was so great and so good, why did we stay there? Some people get the idea, well, see, we're in the New Testament now. All that's passed away. We're in, we're in another dispensation. It's all passed away. That's not what the Bible says. Look at this. But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant. If it's better, it's better. That means it's as good as the old and better. The old didn't have anything in it that was better than the new one because it says it was better. It was a better covenant established upon better promises. Yeah, healing was in the old covenant, but bless God, it's in the new one. 
prosperity was in the Old Covenant. God has pleasure in the prosperity of the servants, Psalm 35. But it's also in the New One. Because the New One says that Jesus was made poor that we might be made rich. Hallelujah. And that's another one I'm not going to apologize for. God made me rich, glory to God. And the more revelation knowledge I can get on prosperity and the more things that I receive because I'm following after the kingdom of God first. See, if I seek first the kingdom of God, all these things will be added unto me. Things. That's cars. That's houses. That's computer systems for the ministry. That's television equipment. That's new radio equipment. That's buildings. Anything that God tells me I should have, any desire of my heart, anything God speaks to me about, I don't care if it costs $20 million. I don't care what it costs. It's a thing that He's going to add unto me because I'm seeking the kingdom. Now, when I seek the things instead of the kingdom, I'm, I'm undone anyway. Forget it. I'm going to be scraping my pocket to find enough money for a Coke. You know, oh, brother, can you spare a dime? I want a Coke, you know. Real prosperous, aren't you? No, forget that. Seek first the kingdom of God. Tell you, you seek first the kingdom of God, just keep your eyes centered up on the kingdom of God, and man, things start being added to you. I was sitting in my studio one day, preaching on the radio. Now, you know, you say, Brother Bill, I don't think it's, I don't think it's good for you to just get all excited about the things you got. I'm not excited about the things, per se. I'm excited that the Word works. That's why I get excited. I'm sitting there in that studio, and I'm preaching to people, the Word works, the Word works. And all of a sudden, I look around, and I'm seeing the Word manifest. Really, that's the way I suddenly saw it. This whole building is paid for. This carpet on the floor is paid for. I remember when I believed God to get the money for that carpet. It's paid for. This equipment in front of me, $1,300 radio mastering reel-to-reel machines, paid for. I not only I didn't pay $1,300 for it, I only paid $680 for it because I found favor, hallelujah. But even $680 had to come somewhere, and I believed it in. Amen. God will get you good deals. Amen. He's a Jew. <laughs> the truth. <laughs> Amen. He'll find you favor. You can walk into a store. God take one look at you. I think I'll bless him. Now, you know, he may not think you have it in those terms, but that's what he'll do. I walked into a store. This is the honest truth. I walked into a store one day, and I wasn't there for a particularly spiritual reason. I wanted to buy a little old thing with some... <laughs> it's hard to explain exactly. When you, when you splice film together... You know, I'm talking about movie film. You splice film together. There's these little tapes you buy. This called, uh, uh, they're, they're, they're called, uh, I can't, it won't come to mind right now, so I won't, have, I won't think about it. I'm not going to get an actual thing about it. But anyway, they're little things you stick the tape together with. And this little pack of them probably cost, I don't know, $2. You know, it wasn't that much. There's about two dozen of those little tabs in there. And little things you edit things together. And I went into the store specifically to buy it. And I go over and I look at that little rack where they usually have and there's only one package and it's been torn open. And I look in the package and there's only one missing out of 36 or how many's in there. And I thought, well, you know, maybe they'll knock off a penny or something for me because, you know, it's not all there and they're all still in good shape. So I went over to the guy and I said, listen, this is the last one you've got, but I really need one. Uh, how much uh, will it be? He said, I'll just take it on. I walked out of the store, didn't, didn't pay anything. I mean, I was in a camera store. And you don't go into a big camera store in Greensboro, Carolina Camera, and come out of there, you know, with, with money in your pocket very often. Camera equipment's expensive. And you get into photography like I am, man, it's expensive. 
But I go into that place, just come, just come walking in there, just, you know, just smile on my face. Had to get a little something. Go over there, the guy said, just take it on. I mean, that happens to me all the time. Brother Hayden Rafan and I went out to buy radio equipment for his ministry. He said, Brother Bill, I've only got so much to spend. And i got to equip my, my whole studio with it. I said, well, glory to God, brother, we'll just go do it, you know. Now I got to figuring, calculating in my mind, one real, one deck here, cassette deck, another cassette deck, mixer and mics, and and I got to thinking, hallelujah. <laughs> There's no way in the natural, Brother Hayden, but I didn't say that to him. You know, we're going to go do it, Brother Hayden. Praise God, we're going. And we went in there, and we were blessed of God. I mean, we found the, we found good equipment at good prices, and then he, you know, the guy'd say, "By the way, I'm just going to throw this in. I'll throw this in. I'll do this. I'll do that." And we spent that amount of money and equipped his whole studio. He's doing his own radio program now. Hallelujah! God will bless you. God finds you favor wherever you go, whatever you're doing. Say Amen. Y'all, y'all to expect that. Y'all, to, y'all to walk around and just expect. Because I'm seeking first the kingdom, all these things being added unto me. And I'm sitting there in the studio that day, and I'm looking at all this equipment, and I'm seeing it all in front of me, and I'm beginning to realize that's paid for, that's paid for, all this equipment's paid for, everything's paid for. I mean, it just got all over me. I thought, hallelujah, the word works. I got out of college, didn't have nothing. First radio program I ever did was on a little reel-to-reel machine, quarter-track home unit-type machine, which that didn't mean a whole lot to you, but it wasn't the kind of thing you want to use on radio. And the thing had a bad hum in it because it wasn't grounded properly. So I took a wire and I wrapped it around a screw in the back and run the other wire and run it around my finger and tied it, I mean my toe, big toe. I tied the thing to my toe and ground it off myself so it wouldn't have a hum. And I was a pretty sight, sitting there with my shoes off, barefooted with a wire wrapped around my big toe, going to a reel-to-reel, sitting in my living room with a mic sitting there, and I come on and say, The Spirit of Faith broadcast is on the air. And everybody's out there going, Amen, big-time preacher. And I'm sitting in my living room with a wire tied to my toe. Blessed of God. Well, yeah, I was blessed of God, man. I thought I was living the high life. Praise God, I had a reel-to-reel recorder there doing the radio program on my home equipment beside my television set, everything around me, you know, just squeezed all that, couldn't even reach my Bible. I had all this equipment all over the place. And I made a commitment right then, bless God, one day I'm going to have my own radio studio. Now, it's like saying, I'm going to go to the moon. I mean, you know, I couldn't conceive of it. Now, praise God, the whole building, the whole thing, the whole fellowship center is paid for. The whole studio and all the equipment in it is paid for. I mean, even bless God, the bathroom is paid for. Hallelujah. And I got to think about that, and I thought, bless God, the Word works. The Word works. I didn't have all this, but now I do. I mean, I started out here at point A, and now at point B, I've got it, and there I didn't. I'm seeking first the kingdom. All those things are being added. I couldn't even look back and find any particular place where I was blessed. You know, I mean, here and there. Our guy drove up one day to the, to the office. We were still building it. We'd completed one room. Another room was very incomplete. We were still in there working. And this guy comes driving up one day, has a box in the back of his car, takes the box out of the back, says, Brother Bill, yeah, God spoke to me, told me that you needed this. I thought, well, hallelujah. I mean, I'm a receiver, praise God. I receive. And I opened the box up and looked in it, and there was a cassette recorder. $200 worth of it. And I looked in it. Woo, glory to God. And I, I, I thanked him, and I prayed with him, and believed he received the hundredfold return, took it out of the box, put it in the studio. And I got to thinking about that. You know, Lord, I don't remember really specifically praying for a cassette recorder. I don't remember specifically praying to receive one. He said, Son, you're seeking the kingdom, and I'm blessing you. Just blessing me. Hallelujah. Walking in the blessings of God. 
You can walk in the blessings of God concerning prosperity, concerning the things, but don't get things conscious. See, that's why it was such an amazing thing to me that day in the studio as I was going on the air and saying, look at all this, it's all paid for. And I know there may have been some people that have thought, well, he shouldn't have said that. But see, I didn't even realize I had the things. I was so busy seeking the king, didn't even know I had the things. And when it occurred to me I had the things because the word worked, I just praised God for it. See, it just brings glory unto God. Don't get things conscious. Don't, don't seek the provision. Seek the provider. Hallelujah. Well, we, we sort of got off the track, but that's okay. We're making a point. You can be blessed. You can have healing. You can have prosperity. You can have everything God provided you. Healing is for you. Hallelujah. I can see I'm not even going to get into this tonight. I, I just got that far in my notes. I didn't even get all the way down into this area of the five major ways you can be healed. There's five major ways you can be healed. Very quickly, prayer, laying on of hands, special ministries, anointing with oil, and faith in the Word alone. That's the highest and best way. Now those are, are broad areas, alright? I realize that there's that laying on of hands can also accompany special ministries. I realize that. You know, I realize that, that uh, faith in the Word is also involved in prayer. You know, I realize all those kinds of things. But for our study purposes, those are the things we'll look at tomorrow morning when we get into this. The five major areas, prayer, laying on of hands, special ministries, anointing with oil, faith in the Word, alone. All of those things work by a process. And we'll see it tomorrow. We don't have time to get into it tonight. We'll see it tomorrow. The process by which it works. And the main thing is that the thing we've been stressing through these, whole, these sessions, and that is being changed by the Word. Hearing the Word and letting it change you on the inside. Throwing away the traditions, throwing away your previous ideas, just being changed by the Word. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Did you get anything out of this tonight? I trust that you receive from the ministry of the Word of God today. If you'd like to contact me, you may write me at Dr. Bill Bailey, Word of Faith Ministries, P.O. Box 5213-5213, High Point, North Carolina, 27262. Or you may email me at this address, Dr. Bill, D-R-B-I-L-L, at W-O-F-M dot O-R-G. If God speaks to your heart about supporting our ministry financially, or you would like to receive more teaching messages from the Word of God, check out our website at www.wofm dot O-R-G. I believe and agree with you for the full 100-fold return on your giving. I also believe and know that God is richly blessing you and your family every day in every way. Praise God, you are blessed and highly favored.